going to talk to you a few principles from Nehemiah chapter 13, uh, but also I'm going to then slide us over to Matthew 21, because today is Palm Sunday, and so let me just read you a few things from that. Nehemiah 13, the very last verse, and this is our prayer over ourselves today. Remember me with favor, my God. And, and I wonder if you could just hold your hands out right now and just say, remember me with favor, oh God. Come on, put your favor on me, God. Put your blessing on me. We need it for this life. And then in Matthew 21, verse, verse 6 verses talks about the Palm Sunday that we are going to celebrate today. As they approached and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord has need of them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and a colt and a foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did this just as Jesus had instructed them. They went and did something simple just as Jesus instructed them. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, this was the start of the biggest reset in the whole history of the world. He was beginning to change the season. Easter is a reset season. It's a complete change of how everybody related to God. It was how we entered into the throne room boldly. It was different. And one of the things that Christianity does is it says, you can bridge to God. You can come to him. It's a complete reset. After just one week from this moment of, of him riding into Jerusalem, everything changes. Everything turns around. And, uh, but you, you know and I know that the disciples struggled with how to apply everything. I mean, uh, they, were, they were getting used to it. And so they, they didn't quite get things right about how to apply the Jewish law and all that. But Eventually, as the reset took place, they began to live in a new reality. And that's kind of what's going to happen to us. When Nehemiah finished the wall and reestablished the society that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, they, they <coughs> were all pleased about it and they started doing it, but they fell back into some old patterns and he had to readdress some things because they hadn't fully changed, even though the season had moved on. Isn't it like that with us, guys? That um, uh, when things change, we have to take a moment to get used to that change. I bet it's kind of weird for some of you in the building today. You don't know whether to do a clap offering. You don't know whether to laugh at my jokes. There aren't any jokes today to laugh at. So uh, you don't know whether to, whether you, what you can do. And it's all a little bit tentative. And you have to learn to grow into a new season. And so we really care about that. When Nehemiah went back and he said, look, there's some things you've fallen into. This is a new season. You don't need to do that any longer. 
and we've got to be the same. We're heading into a new season. It's a new season where many of us will just want it to be over and to be completely changed as if we jump straight and, and this is the phrase that many of us are using. Can we have it back the way we used to have it? And there'll be some things that are familiar. But the new season is going to be what I call an in-between time. It's not going to be like night and day. It's going to be a new dawn where there's whispers of the darkness and there's a breaking of the light. It's a gray zone. It's an in-between time. It'll be a mix of learning new things and yet holding on to some old truths that will never let us go. It's going to be this mixture. You see, this reset season, the first thing is it's not clear. It wasn't fully clear to the disciples all what Jesus was doing. Even after he died and rose again, they said, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he was going, oh, it's not quite, you haven't quite got it. It won't be the same as it was before but one of the things that Paula actually said on the video was, let's stop looking at uh, what we can't do and let's start looking at some of the richness of what we can do. Can I hear an amen in the house? That you have to dig for some of the richness in the new season. It's a bit like, you know, uh, when you first look at Saudi Arabia, it's uh, just a desert, isn't it? And you think, what good can come out of that? And it's one of the most richest countries countries in the world because underneath the desert is all that oil. And we've got to dig a little bit in this new season. We've got to begin to say, well, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you resetting in our society? What are you resetting in the church? Let's start digging for the richness in this season. Instead of thinking, oh, this is hard. Oh, I don't like this mask. Oh, can I really sing? Oh, can I do this? Begin to say, God, what are you doing? It's important. You see, in this in-between zone, we fight against it a bit, don't we? And, and it's understandable, very understandably. We, we all want to, instead of being in an in-between zone or a, in a gray zone, we'd rather be in a comfort zone. And, and, but really... <clears throat> When you, when you think about it, what really is a comfort zone? One definition, one psychologist said it this way, that a comfort zone is actually a set of feelings and, uh, that fuel you. That actually, the comfort zone isn't the reality of what's going on. It's a set of feelings that you use to fuel you on the inside rather than the reality that you think that something was really great. Do you remember the children of Israel, uh, the people of Israel, that um, it, uh, when, they, when they were in the middle of the wilderness, they were in the in-between zone. They were, they were out of Egypt, but they weren't in the promised land. Do you remember how they used to recollect and say, oh, can we go back to Egypt where we have cucumbers and lentils and lots of meat and all the rest of it? And you think, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You were slaves, having to make bricks without straw, starving, and, and oppressed. Isn't it funny how we look back to things 
as if they were perfect. I guess we call it the good old days or the golden age. You see, a comfort zone is made up of two main things. First of all, a comfort zone is made up of entitlement. It's made up of, this shouldn't be happening to me. I don't deserve this. Well, let's all just admit this shouldn't have happened to us all. But it has. Let's all begin to say, you know what? I need to put my entitlement aside for a moment. And the other strand of a comfort zone is fear. Not that it shouldn't be happening to me, but I'm afraid this of this new season, what, what if? What if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? And fear builds up, and we, we build up a whole regime in our minds of what we're supposed to be fearful of. You see, the basic idea of a comfort zone, instead of an in-between time, is I'm not in control. And that's really what happened to the disciples when they accepted Jesus' new way, the old control of the law was broken. The old way of doing things was, was broken. And now they had to follow the Holy Spirit. And now they had to begin to go on an adventure. The in-between zone means we give up control. Hey, can I ask you to do something wherever you're watching from and here in the house? Can you just breathe a prayer in your spirit right now and say, God, I'm giving up my sense of control and I want to trust you. I'm beginning to say, okay, this is a new season. For some of us, we're being dragged into it, kicking and screaming, but nevertheless, we're here now. And now it's time to say, I give up control. Not I give up responsibility or not I give up my stewardship. But you see, the danger of a comfort zone, and here's the real danger of wanting to stay in the comfort zone is, the comfort zone always promises you growth without no change on the inside. It promises you that you can be everything you're supposed to be, but you don't have to change or grow on the inside. You see, in the book of Nehemiah, when we get to chapter 13, and you might want to open that there, we, they, they hadn't internalized all the changes yet. They built the wall, they, they got back together, but they hadn't put things on the inside. And that's really the difference of the in-between time that I'm going to call you to, is that we've now got to start bringing these lessons on the inside. You see, because in the reset season, and that's what we're going into, in this reset season, we are now needing to follow the Holy Spirit and let him guide our feelings. Can you hear an amen, everyone? You know, can we begin to say, we're going to be a more spirit-led people after this time. We're going to say, what are you saying, Lord? This has been beyond our comprehension, so what are you saying, Lord? You see, the reset season is a time for tender obedience to God. I am going to actually just show you one obedience point from 
the book of Matthew from the story of the Palm Sunday. And really want that to be the lesson you take it home with. But we're going to just dwell in Nehemiah chapter 13 for a moment. But this is the season for tender obedience. This is the season for us to say, God, whatever you're saying to me, I want to do that. Because that's how you'll navigate through this season. This is where we can get some real insights from Nehemiah. Let me just jump you through some key insights from Nehemiah of how we're going to get through and navigate this reset season and get the best out of it. The first part of Nehemiah 13, it says that they read the law and they came across a story that they'd never seen before. You can see it in the first three verses. It says that they read the story of Balaam and they read the story of how the Moabites and the Ammonites had uh, re- resisted them. And actually, they read something and they said, wow, because it says that, we're going to obey. This is the first principle of how we're going to get through this reset season. We need to be prepared to learn some new things from the Scripture and then quickly obey it. That no matter how well you know the Bible... God has got some lessons for you that he's going to break open and you're going to say, I've never seen that before. How many of you believe that you know everything about the Bible that there is to know? As you read the word in this reset season, I just think it's going to be like God's love letter to you. I I really think it's going to be like something you'll open it and say, I never knew that was in there. You've read it 20 times and it's almost like there will be curtains over your eyes, be drawn back and God's going to show you some new things. And as soon as you read it, you're going to have to say, you know what, I want to obey that. That's what happened in the first three verses of uh, Nehemiah 13. On that day, they read the book of the law, was read aloud, and on hearing the people, uh, in the hearing of the people, and there was found written that no Ammonite and Moabite should ever be admitted into the assemblies of God, and because they had not met the Israelites possibly, uh, uh, properly. And on however hearing this, they said, we will obey. God's got some new lessons from the Scripture for you to learn. Don't become blasé about the Bible. He's got some new things for you to hear. Can you hear that from me? He's going to break open that book again. Another thing is in the reset season that uh, you've got to begin to see church for what it really is and not for all the other periphery things it does. What was happening in the book of Nehemiah, and you can read it in chapter 13 was, is there was a man named Tobiah who the high priest Eliashib had given him some private rooms in the temple. And they cleared out the storerooms for the Levites and said, you can just live here and you can move in here and this can be a convenient place for you. Nehemiah comes along and said, well, that's not what that's for. That's not that, what that room is for. That room was for the storerooms, for the Levites. You need to clear all that stuff out and your convenience and all your making this fit around how it works for you 
has to be cleared out and let's get back to the real purpose of why this was in the first place. And I believe that's what's going to happen in the reset season is we're going to have to come back to a place of real discipleship and a real honest missional working for God and saying, okay, what is church about? Yes, it's about my friends. Of course it's about fellowship. What is church about? Yeah, I love the singing. Of course it's about worship. But it's also about what we heard on the videos earlier. Trudy, who I know, the last person you saw on the video, Trudy lives in Bristol at the moment. I've met her, and that's why I've shown it to you, because these people are authentic. She was lost. She was on drugs, but Jesus found her, and she's come home to Jesus. This week, on our Facebook feed, uh, Will Neville, who was homeless, and he came to our church for many years, is declaring, I've been so many years off drugs and now I'm free. That happened here. That's what things are about. Let's remember that, church. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fantastic to be back together. It's going to be great. I can't wait to hug everybody. This elbow stuff just doesn't do it for me. I don't know about you, but your elbow doesn't communicate as much love as I need. And I can't wait to, you know, when we get to September or something, when we can, you know, squeeze you to death. For some of you right now, you're going, I'm never going to that church. (laughs) But all of that is fine. Fellowship's fine. All of that's fine. But let's remember in the reset season, it's about discipleship. It's It's about us becoming like Christ, knowing Christ, reaching the lost, Can I hear an amen, everybody? You know, in this reset season, also we need to understand, from Nehemiah 13, verse 12, it says, And all Judah brought their tithes, their grain, their new wine, their olive oil into the storerooms. That in this reset season, your church needs practical investment. All these cameras, all these lights, all the things that now we need to do to reach our hybrid congregation. And we are blessed to do it and privileged to do it, but it all costs something. And so I want to say to you in the month of May, we're going to have a coming back offering. We're going to have a coming back together kind of thankfulness offering. We're going to have a coming back together offering where we say, this is the time of reset If you've not started tithing, then in May is the time for you to start tithing. And in May is the time for you to give a love offering so that we can create the ministry more and more stably. We're not in any trouble. This is a love offering to say, God, we believe in the church. I think reset means that we have to prioritize what's important to us. Amen, church. Oh, it's gone really quiet in the house, so on the feed, please put an amen on there. In this reset season, I believe it's really important that you keep your work, life, wonder, and worship balance healthy. You know what was happening in Nehemiah? Nehemiah, they, they were so excited about being a city again and being a trading nation again that they started trading on the Sabbath. They started even camping outside the gates, ready to get an early start. They were ignoring the Sabbath, and Nehemiah came along and said, hey, 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 we've reset. We don't trade all the time. We take time out for God. 
I believe that's going to be really important. You know what I've noticed with all the working at home? That some people, they get up and uh, they may be in their pajamas, but they start working. And they, they work all day, they have their tea, and then they do a little bit of work at night. You're going to have to address the way that you uh, reset your schedule because you're used to working even longer now it's at home. Your boss is loving it. You're much more productive. All that commute time, he's got back. I want to say to you, why don't you reset the way that you worship, the way that you work, and the way that you wander? You know, sometimes I do the wrong thing. I'll, I'll go out for a run in the morning and then sit eight hours on a screen. And the eight hours undoes all the good work that I've done on the run in the morning. Some of you looking at me and saying, you run? How could you do that? But, you know, what you've got to do is start understanding that your worship schedule has got to change. You've got to bring the Sabbath into your life. You've got to bring regular worship into your life. You've got to bring things back again. And that's what part of the reset season for me that is going to be really important is how do you worship? How do you address your working life again? How do you get back to that wonder where it's not all of a struggle and it's not all, oh God, how will we get to this? Will you look up to the heavens and say, how marvelous is our God? How wonderful, how beautiful is creation? It's not all about a virus. It's about how wonderful is our God? And that God who set the, each star in the sky and he knows everyone by name and knows you by name. In fact, he knows all the hairs on my head and he's having to work a bit harder now. He knows your name. And he loves you. And he calls to you and says, I've got a plan for you. Are you going to get your wonder back? Come on, church, let's wonder again at the majesty of God. Amen? In this reset season, I want to just leave you with one precious lesson. And it really comes from the fact that Nehemiah, he said, look, you've got to get used to now obeying what you know is right. And, and not, not kind of just trying to mix the old and the new. Move over now. And this idea of tender obedience is, you know, is my take on what we need to do right now. I've thought a lot about this new season. And I think one of the things that strikes me the most is, God, whatever you say to do, I want to do it. Come over with me to Matthew chapter 21. Small obediences are vital because they lead to a bigger move of God. I want you to imagine that you're the two disciples. You know, they're all having their Bible study and they're all with the Lord. And then he looks at you and says, hey, can you two go and find a donkey? And if anybody challenges you, say, the Lord has need of it. And you're thinking, well, well, hang on a minute, Lord. I, I was really enjoying the Bible study. And you want me to go into a village and untie a donkey that isn't mine 
By the way, if you really see an Audi or a BMW down the street and you see the keys in the door, this is not a biblical pattern for you to just take that car or anything, right? Okay, that was the only joke of the sermon and nobody laughed, okay? <laughs> Can you imagine that the Lord says, I want you to just go and untie a donkey? A simple act of obedience that was a little bit embarrassing, took a little bit of courage, but it was a small act of obedience that led to a prophecy being fulfilled, Zechariah 9, see your king comes on a donkey. A little act of obedience, of uncomfortability, of something whereby you think, I don't really know what's going on, and why have I got to leave the group, and, and they're all enjoying the Bible study, but I've got to go into the night, and I've got to do something that's a little bit lonely, a little bit strange, but you've asked me to do it, Lord, and yet you've just fulfilled a prophecy. And then you do that act of obedience, and then the whole city starts praising and then, actually, you do that act of obedience, the whole city is stirred because when Jesus rides into the city, everybody's saying, who's this? Maybe it is, and the whole city is troubled because you decided that your uncomfortable, little, tender obedience was more important than staying in the Bible study, staying in the group, staying around the campfire. Then you moved and you took out uh, that step of obedience and then because that, that caught hold and the whole city was troubled. In fact, the high priest said, the whole world is going after him. We need to do away with him. And there was then the decision to go and crucify Jesus. And because of your act of obedience, the whole plan of God begins now to move into action. Because you said, well, you've asked me to go and get a donkey, so I will step out in a little step of obedience. You see, one of the things that I believe is going to be really important in this reset season is ordinary people doing small acts of obedience because they will lead to the bigger moves of God that actually will begin to open a door. In fact, right now, somebody could text somebody and say, I believe God loves you. And that little text, that act of obedience, that, oh, I may be rejected, that little text may change somebody's eternal destiny. You know, and this little act of obedience showed the disciples that they weren't alone. Because they got to untying the donkey and somebody said to them, hey, what are you doing with our donkey? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they said, oh, yeah, that's fine. We know him too. You see, you think that you're completely alone. You might feel like you're alone sitting in your flat watching this live stream. You might be sitting here today thinking, man, you know, they, are we the only family that serves the Lord? And then actually as you begin to obey him, you find out there are hundreds and thousands and thousands of people all trusting God. We're not defeated, church. So today, I want to say to you, don't let this season pass you by. Learn some new things in the Bible, sure. 
Begin to understand that your church needs practical investment. Understand why we're here for the lost and for your discipleship. Understand that you need to be able to reset the way that you work, the way that you worship, and the way that you wonder, and that truly you need to let wonder back into your life. But understand this, small obediences absolutely open the door for God to move. Let me introduce you to the rule of three. We've walked through this book of Nehemiah, and we're going to give him a rest now for a while. But Nehemiah said to the people, you can't be the same. Now we've built this, now we've done this. You have to strongly internalize what we've done. Let me introduce you to this rule of three. I want you to call out three things that are good about your life right now. Make a note of it. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Text it. Reframe this season. Begin to say, God, what's good about my life right now is this, this, and this. And I know that some of you are grieving right now. But that nevertheless, that even in your pain, there will be at least three things that are good about your life now. Call it out. Decide three things that you know about God for certain. Don't lose them. Let me teach you the rule of three. Call out three good things about your life and then begin to write down, begin to think three certain things I know about God. You know, I've been reflecting on my life a lot. As I said on the video, Kathy and I, we've walked around, we, I don't know about you and me, but we've walked around everybody's street and we've commented on every house. But as well as that, reflecting on the Father love of God. Those of you who know my testimony, you know my, my dad died when I was really young. And I've been reflecting on how God has been a father to me and how the church has been a mother to me, actually. I've been reflecting on the way that when Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, that, that I can pray, Abba, Father, because his father love of how he accepts me and loves me is so deep in my life. I wonder what three things about God you can reflect on. And then maybe you could perhaps close this session with thinking of three things you want to go for in God, in your discipleship. Why don't we all stand together, shall we? Let's think about three things good about my life. Why don't you just say them under your breath right now? You know, why don't you just speak? Just as we stand in this place, why don't the worship team just come? And, you know, why don't you just begin to speak into your life? Hey, these are three good things about my life right now. These are the things that, that I just am thankful for. Nick was saying he was thankful for his provision. Come and play for me, Dowling. What about the the three things about God that you know for certain 
that in this reset season that you're going to be able to say, I know this about you, God, and I believe you in this. You know, there may be three things about my discipleship that I want to go for. You see, I believe that the reset season is all about tender obedience and not listening to those comfort zone feelings, but beginning to be really strong in listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. So as we worship in these next few minutes, I just believe it's really important that, sure, we, it's so understandable that we want to be in our comfort zone. Of course it is. But this is a reset season. This is a season where God is saying, I'm calling you to some new things. I want to show you some new things. I'm calling you to some great things. I'm calling you to, to, to have this obedience that is so beautiful. Because I believe this tender obedience, this obedience where everybody else might be doing something, but God calls you out to do something a little bit unusual and you say yes, then it opens up a bigger move of God. Would you just lift your hand with me and say, I am willing. I am willing, God. Even if it's untying a donkey, I am willing, God. Come on, all over this house, let's just say, I'm willing, God. I am willing. That's why you came today to church. You came to receive something, so come on, receive something now. You didn't come just to do a dry run for next week. We came to meet with God now. And he's here now in this place, and he's here wherever you're watching. And as you lift your hand and you say, God, I am willing to do that small obedience, I am willing, God is going to deposit something in your life.